everybody. I'm Evan, and we're doing a thing for Good Pods for doing a TTRPG takeover, where uh, a bunch of TTRPGs are taking over the platform for a day or two. And I've gotten a couple other DMs from several other TTRPG podcasts to come together, and we're going to discuss about what our systems are like and how to get into it. So, uh, all right, everybody, you ready to roll for initiative? I suppose so. Yep. Sounds good. This. All right. Oh, well, I got a middle of the road ten. Rocking a two. two. Also two. Oh, <laughs> I got an eighteen. I'm starting off hot with a six. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Riley, looks like you're going to be our starter then. Okay, which means I now own this uh, stream, whatever we're calling it. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so I'm Riley. I am the BM, which stands for Bunker Master, over on Friend and Foe Adventure Co. We're an actual play podcast that plays the Bunkers and Badasses system based on the Borderlands universe. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's immaturely mature. We get into lots of trouble. And uh, one of our characters is called Tarquan because of how often he rolls ones. It's unreal. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just a lot of silly fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, though we do have serious episodes on occasion. And yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh! Supposed to explain how the friend, or the bunkers and badasses work, huh? <laughs> Probably be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So bunkers and badasses is a D twenty system, and I, you know, you got your stats, you got modifiers based on those stats. It's pretty basic stuff. But where I think it really shines is two things: the badass system. So if you want to do something that's crazy and big. You instead of rolling like your certain stat, you're going to roll a badass die. And if you succeed, then you do this amazing thing and your teammates can contribute to it. But it makes the roll harder. But then they can like add to your chances of success or maybe even add like a little bit of damage, whatever it is. And so it gives this big epic movie moment of do or die. And then the other really cool thing is the gun generation system. And so you just roll a couple of dice pretty quickly and you you generate a gun because that's one of the Borderlands things is they they advertise the trillions of guns. And huh. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. So you got all these different you roll for weapon brands, weapon type, elemental rarity, all that stuff. Nice. Nice. There you go. That was probably too long on that, but there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was great. Totally set up. I, n I had not heard that system until we had gotten together to talk about it recently. So uh, I'm getting to learn all about this right now. Well, I guess I'm the second highest to go next then. Uh, hi, everybody. Like I said before, I'm Evan. Um, I run the Save the D8 podcast. Uh, we are a Dungeons & Dragons 5e uh, actual play as well uh, we started off first campaign as kind of trying to be like a storytelling podcast and then we kind of switched things around to our second campaign now called epic uh, where instead of doing it as a storytelling we're now just more of like a group of friends around the table just kind of hanging out and having fun so if you want to just sit a spell and hang out with us come listen to save the d8 cool uh Damien, I think you're next. All right. Hi, I'm Damien. I'm one of the GMs over at Roleplay Rejects, where we play new and unusual tabletop role-playing games. Our whole thing is that we like to 
branch out from Pathfinder or D&D 5e and explore some of the other systems that are out there. Uh, so far, we have gone through the Fallout role-playing game, Adventure Skeletons. Uh, that one's kind of fun because it's the, all the rules and everything are all on one page, and that's it. Uh, then we went into uh, Star Wars Force and Destiny. Uh, that one was very fun. A little confusing with their dice, but very, very fun. Highly recommend it. Uh, went into Lady Blackbird. Uh, then into Bunkers and Badasses. We actually had a little bit of a crossover event with Riley. Mm. Yeah. Part one aired on ours, and then part two aired on theirs. And our me and their BM at the time collaborated and came up with this big epic story it was brilliant and i got to play as a player for the first time (laughs) yeah it was a lot of fun um and then we did a bit of morkborg uh in our absolute darkest game yet Mm. uh then we went into or currently we are going through shadows of asterin uh but basically the idea is that we try and uh pick a new system uh, run enough games for us to like get a pretty good feel of the system and then in turn listeners get a pretty good feel of the system at the end we wrap up with what we think about the system things that we liked from it things we didn't like from it and maybe even things that we would carry on over into other systems for instance uh, the fallout rpg has this die where you roll for hit location so when you have that epic moment of how do you want to do this if you're not super creative like i'm not sometimes i'll go ahead and roll that and say okay something to do with the head so i uh hit him so hard in the head down that it kind of does that uh groundhog or that uh, whack-a-mole thing where it just kind of like sinks down into his shoulders boom nice yeah that's pretty much it uh our podcast is set up so that then you can kind of start on whatever campaign you want to start on uh just feel free to listen all right thanks damien Running us towards the end. Chase, why don't you go? Sure. Uh, so I'm Chase. I'm the DM of Another Path. We're a D&D 5th edition podcast. Um, we've had uh, so far two full campaigns. Um, the first one is split up into three different segments. Um, we've got, um, oh, it's um, Aegis, Canopy, and Summit. Uh, comprise our first long-form campaign, which took just about five years to get through. And uh, our second campaign, which we started late last summer, early fall, is Oath. And uh, we are still going strong on that. Um, Oath requires absolutely no prior knowledge to understand or get into. Um, I always kind of take the tone as a median point between It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Lord of the Rings. Uh, So whatever that gradient looks like, we're right there in the middle. And uh, I'm also a player on Imprinted Echoes, which is a cipher system podcast uh, taking place in uh, Monty Cook games world of Numenera, which was built for the cipher system. Um, and if you're familiar with D&D, cipher system is kind of just that, but reversed a little bit. It is uh, DM does not roll any dice. All they do is set um, your dice challenges and, you know, what you're supposed to be hitting. And then your goal as a player is to do things to lower that. And you have your pool of resources and whatnot uh, that you can use to lower what you are aiming for. And uh, that's pretty much how the whole game plays out. It's really interesting and frequently overlooked, despite it being absolutely like a ton of fun to play. Nice. Thanks, Chase. You're welcome. 
And to finish off the lineup, our designated hitter, Jeff. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm the GM of the Big Campaign Stories podcast, uh, an actual play, Pathfinder First Edition. Though a bit of an older system, we have homebrewed it quite a bit to take it away from Dungeons and Dragons, you know, swords and sorcery to more uh, cell phones and sorcerers. Um, mm. Kind of a little bit, I uh, think, uh, Snow Crash or Blade Runner vibes with people occasionally using prestidigitation to uh, enhance the flavor of their coffee. <laughs> nice. Okay. We're a group of players that have been playing together for a really long time. So uh, mostly the story is supposed to be fun, but we can't have its serious moments. But uh, yeah, that's that's us. Nice. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Everyone, you knocked it out of the park. Woo! <laughs> so why don't we just get right into it? And I'll just go ahead and ask the first question for everybody here. What's the best way to get into doing one of these TTRPGs, you know? Like, what if I want to get started, but I'm kind of scared and I don't necessarily know, like, where to start? Okay, I got this. Hmm? Best thing to do. Any system does not matter whatsoever. Get a group of friends who are willing to try this out with you and be absolutely okay to fail. Because... I have been playing uh, Pathfinder uh, for probably a good six years, right, on and off. Uh, And I cannot tell you how many times each session I have to stop and then look back at some of the rules or between sessions brush up on some rules because the the idea that you have to know absolutely everything going into it is absolutely false. Go in there, have fun. That's it. Hmm. Absolutely agreed. Um, especially on the, like, it doesn't matter what system you start with, find one that like the synopsis speaks to you and, you know, whatever you and your friends are interested in doing, um, for any possible interest you could have, there are hundreds and hundreds of, you know, big and indie RPGs that you can pick up to, uh, to try out and, there is almost certainly something to fit whatever specific fancy that you have. Uh, so literally find one that you want to play around with and check it out. Yeah. I can't emphasize, you know, I guess to emphasize that more is that that's entirely how I got back into RPGs is borderlands was putting out an RPG and a a TTRPG. Right. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And so I started to learn, um, get back into 5e i hadn't played since like 3.5 and it was a blast i had a fun time running a couple of sessions of that Uh, but at the same time like i really didn't need to do that if i didn't want to Uh, i was just you know being a little overly uh cautious i guess going into it but you just get what you're interested in right i got the Mm -hmm. b and b i also picked up fallout after i got call of cthulhu like just things that (laughs) seem fun and cool to me alien like i'm so excited about those i don't really care too much to play D unless i get invited to play it and then i'll love to play it because it's awesome but you know i don't need to run those games mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i mean i know for me personally when i actually first got started i just went to a, a local game shop actually 
outside of the rest of these other systems, which are all fun to play, D&D was one that I was actually already interested in. And Wizards of the Coast has a program kind of set up with a lot of game shops to kind of get people started into it. So if you like kind of feel like dipping your toe in to see if you would kind of enjoy it, but you don't have a group of friends that's kind of willing to go with you, I just say go check out one of your you know, local game shops and see if they have the program set up. They literally have everything there for you. Most people there are super chill. You know, they'll help you set up your character off the bat. They even share some dice with you if you don't even own any dice. You don't have to even really own the dice to do that. Most people are willing to share their dice, as most professional players now are either dice goblins or dice dragons. Mm -hmm. So they'll have probably a two or three spare sets on them. Something kind of funny to add on to that. Uh, I'm an adder, I guess. Uh, it, it's my so one of our characters, one of our players, did not have a single set of dice. He just used his phone until a year into the podcast when I finally, for his birthday, bought him some dice. <laughs> <laughs> so you can use apps. You know, you you mm-hmm. might get looks and get a little crap about it, but you can do that and. So, yeah, you can do those at local game stores. I also just went to a salt con, so a gaming convention, and they had uh, events that you could sign up. And I had some friends come who had never played D&D, but they were interested. And I was like, well, this is perfect. Let's do this. And so I played D&D and almost everyone at the table was it was their first time ever playing. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. They made it so welcoming and so good. So, yeah, definitely check out events like that. Local game oh. stores in a and big events cons for sure um i was actually i went to gen con last year um i was running a couple of games for Nerdburger games they produce a whole slew of rpgs i was running capers for them which is a 1920s superhero rpg it's very cool uses a deck of cards instead of dice not important to the story, but it's a cool system. Check it out. Uh, but uh, while I was there, uh, kind of killing time before my first game, they had a, you know, hey, is this your first time playing D&D? Why don't you come on over to this table and we're going to run an encounter with some like cool set pieces and battle mats and minis and pre-gen characters and all that. And it was a ton of fun. It was just like a simple like 10 minute encounter. Uh, but that's how easy it can be to go ahead and get your feet wet. Uh, D&D, I think, has gotten a reputation for being a long game, what with the popularity of like Critical Role and whatnot, where it's like, hey, these games are four to six hours. Buckle up. Um, they can be as short as like 10 minutes at, just to run a single encounter. Like the time investment that is out there sometimes is kind of fake. True. True. Yeah. Uh, we've had some so, uh, short sessions, which have been like two hours long mm-hmm. to times where as a group, we kind of just all got together and was like, hey, we're going to play for the day. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of played all day. Absolutely. And hung out and like we took breaks in between for sure. Uh, but like that was just that was just the plan. We just like it's since I started my podcast, I've had a lot of my other friends who are not as nerdy as I am uh, kind of listen to a bit and like hey man i kind of want to get into it but uh i i don't know i'm not good with math and i don't exactly know what to do i'm not like a performer type and i just tell them it's it's easy all right it's literally just hanging out with a bunch of people that you like hanging out with and you're just building a story you know like you remember when you were a kid and you played pretend 
That's literally it. All that all that is is just you add the dice extra to see whether or not it passes or fails. And to be honest, if it fails, sometimes that's even better because that helps add stakes to everything going on. You know, if you're just always winning, it kind of gets a little boring. But, you know, when you have those fails that you have to pick yourself up off, off the dust and um, head back in and finally get that nat 20, like, there's no better feeling than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to describe it as five people playing make-believe, but... Uh, four of them all agree on who's the ref, and that's the GM. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, just, I, I was going to mention that I got started in this, honestly, through... I hopped on Reddit, and I asked Reddit, how the heck do you even start this? Um, and luckily, I got some really great advice from Benjamin Dury, who is the GM of Lawful Great Adventures podcast. Hmm. Uh, told me, you know, hey, here's the places to get programs for audio stuff here's you know things to consider uh but the biggest thing i'd take away from all of this is if you want to start one of these just start it but just make sure you're having fun it shouldn't be stressful i guess (laughs) Mm. okay i got another question then say i'm a new dm because no one else wants to take over and i just really want to get a game started but i'm not as familiar with the rules do you think it's good for me to start with uh, like a pre-made adventure or should I just go ahead and try to homebrew it? I think, honestly, just do whichever one sounds more interesting. I'll be honest. I've looked through like, um, uh, was it Tales from the Awning Portal, uh, the D&D 5e book that has a bunch of different adventures in it. And some of them just felt really lackluster to me, even like if I was approaching this uh, initially uh, first time, they just didn't catch my interest as much as i would have hoped for and if making something up sounds better to you go for it i think the first thing that i ever dm'd was dnd 5e and it was because i had this idea about this wizard in a tower who had turned people into like shattered glass but you could still see him like moving in the shattered glass and i was like that sounds really cool I don't know what book would have that, so I'm just going to like build a world in which that can happen. Mm. Um, of course, it went a little bit poorly, just you know, scheduling. It fizzled out, as most things do these days. But it was kind of eye-opening to me that, like, oh, I, I made this whole thing, and I didn't have to have all the answers initially. I just kind of uh, improv with it. Uh, and honestly, that's translated into even nowadays when I prepare something, even for the podcast, I will get a couple bullet points and then I will make it up from there because it you never know what players are going to do. Yeah, absolutely. that's a good answer. Yeah. I yeah, 100%. Did, I did a book to start like my first time DMing and my brother is a super experienced DM, been doing it for, you know. 20 years or whatever. Uh, And so he was going to play and I told him, make it hard for me. And (laughs) because I I wanted to be put through the ringer. I, I sort of regret it, but I'm glad he did it. (laughs) He like made his character directionally challenged to the point where somebody pointed across the street and said, Oh, the mayor's over there. And he walked the opposite direction. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. But then I was just I I rolled with it, right? And I was like, you know what? It's fine. You're going to go off into the forest and we'll do a split party thing. And the rest of the team will start on that, you know, like start on the actual adventure here. And 
and eventually they get back together. You know, I figured out I, as you're as you're going, you're going to figure it out. Like uh, you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to improvise. So even if you're doing a written adventure, your players may go do some random stuff, and and they ended up doing something, and that ended up chaining to the next session to where they like went to go check on the next quest and they got to literally the entrance of the quest. But what they had done the last session ended up chain reacting at them and making their brains think like, well, what if we go and we hunt this thing down? And I was like, well, I guess we're doing that then, you know, like it's just written or not. You're, you're going to be improvising. And that's, Mm -hmm. it's, that's the fun of it. You're going to discover is when your players do the unexpected, you're going to have the most fun. Oh, for sure. And like improvising is, especially as a DM, that is the skill you are exercising. Like, I'm going to say like 80% of the time that you are running, even if you're working with a pre-written adventure. Um, And sometimes it's because you're working with a pre-written adventure, because sometimes like you will get halfway through and realize, oh, there is a like a gaping plot hole here. Um there's a, a a couple of like one specifically that's coming to mind for a uh, an official D and D release. Um, Rime of the Frostmaiden has a big gaping plot hole in the middle of it, and I like you know was running that not for my podcast but for my home crew because uh, I'm the DM there too, and. I realize, you know, with maybe three days to run, it's like, I need to cover this up. Otherwise, this is going to be the most anticlimactic dragon fight that they'll ever be in. So sometimes it is just a matter of needing to make sure that uh, all of your, you know, ducks are in a row beforehand, even if you're running directly out of a book. Hmm. Well, speaking on that, then. How how well should a DM prepare before a game gets started? And should players prepare as well? Players players need to know their spells. It's my biggest pet peeve <laughs> as a DM. If yeah, you know, wish on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, like that is something that happens as like as you become familiar with it. Nobody's gonna ask you to have everything memorized when you start, but you should have your signature things memorized, you know, three or four games in. Um But for the DMs, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially if you go on like YouTube, like don't over prepare. Your players are going to do things that you would never account for. And you're going to have to make it up on the spot anyways. Uh, What I would say is prepare to your comfort level. And it's going to take a while to figure that out. So don't get too stressed. I have walked into games where I have used literally the first three sentences that I wrote down and then either the players got hung up on it or um, they just went in a completely different direction and I had to roll with it. And I have had games where I have, you know, run through absolutely everything I had and it's just going to depend. You got to figure out where your stride is and where your players are having fun because sometimes over-preparing can cause your players to not have a great time because you want to adhere maybe a little too rigidly to what you'd planned for. And I would also say like uh, to speak on that is test out both, both options. Uh, There was one instance in which uh, I prepared every single room for this massive complex in our fallout campaign. Um, And I was expecting us to like get through all of this, uh, like 
a bunch of the rooms really quickly within like an episode or two. But it turned out that we only got through like a room or two throughout uh, like an hour and a half, like the rough length of our episodes. <laughs> and like that was a little bit annoying because I spent a lot of time trying to prepare for that. But I also then tried out um, absolutely no preparation whatsoever. Uh, not on the podcast, mind <laughs> you, because that would be insane. <laughs> but no, uh, I had some friends over to try out the fallout rpg and one of them said hey i want my character to have a motorcycle and i was like cool i'm going to roll with that for this entire campaign and then just kind of <laughs> improv from there um i didn't like either option so i've been like honing down that nice middle ground where it's mostly unprepared but you still have those bullet points to fall back on mm-hmm. um and i think yeah just trial and error hey are you calling me out I did. <laughs> I did zero preparation for one of our episodes. And granted, it was a flashback episode where we had one of our players couldn't make it. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it for these other three. I have this was morning of I'm like, here's my idea. We flash back. It was our first time doing that. So episode 11, I had zero prep and just an idea of like, where were you about a year ish ago? And it ended up coming together. So good. It's one of my favorite episodes, actually, uh, because and I think it's because of the backstory. It may not be that great, but <laughs> because of the backstory of like zero prep and just going with it, it, it worked out so beautifully. Um, I think yeah. so. Sorry. With that, I think it also depends then on who your players are. So kind of going into that whole player preparation kind of a thing. True. Um, because. Me, I was hanging out with these uh, this group of people. I haven't hung out with them a whole bunch, uh, not like my, the main cast of Roleplay Rejects. Mm. Um, so I, when I improved absolutely everything, it was kind of a little bit uh, clunky because it wasn't that natural like back and forth that you get with people that you're very comfortable with that you kind of like. Uh, I guess like an improv troupe would probably be really comfortable with one another, right? They would just kind of like bounce off of each other's ideas and uh, make something incredible with it. Yeah, I think to tie to that, right, as musicians, if you know an instrument, then you might be able to improvise. You know, just knowing the instrument at the basic level, you may not be able to improvise as well. But if you like really, really know your system, if you really, really know your character you're going to be able to really run with it and and you'll be you'll be ready i guess for that i think it's more important for the dm or the gm to know what they're doing uh but even then like if you don't know everything that's okay if you're not doing a podcast or even if you're doing a podcast you can just edit that out you can always say like oh <laughs> hold on let me check on that or and your players will understand or you can just be like I'm not sure, but let's make it up. You're going to roll a dexterity roll. You know, like, that's what it is this time. We have literally said those words in our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I literally had that last episode for my podcast um, during the time in which I had them in in a major boss fight in a... um, there was a love triangle going between two sisters and uh, a star spawn who was the husband of one of the sisters. And the other sister had kidnapped him. The, one of the players, Cats, named Cabbage, uh, jumped onto <laughs> the the keyboard uh, as we were playing. And I uh, they had asked me, like, oh, can I get all the 
all the enemies in one straight line so they could cast a spell. And I was like, I'll give you three. And just at the right spot, the cat just made this unworldly sound of no, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and the player rolled with it. He was just like, Cabbage says that's not good enough. And everyone else just kind of like laughed and was enjoying it. So I was like, all right, I'll, gi- I'll give you I'll give you all five then. Fine. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> also top tier cat name. Uh, yeah. Cabbage. Uh, I love Cabbage. They're very loud, though. Mm. I have to I have to edit them a lot out of the podcast because <laughs> they love to yell in the background. Absolutely. No, we've got um, uh, Mr. Frodo uh, and uh, Strider, which is uh, the two cats of one of my co-stars on um, and Prince of Echoes. And they are a similar constant concern. <laughs> uh, we have our four-year-old running around uh, upstairs mm. for us. So yeah, she's a audience for for most of our podcasts <laughs> and the dog on occasion on occasion yeah very rare uh how long have you all been podcasting uh for myself well we started last october nice oh, okay say the d8 started about five years ago um another path has been going for also what five years going on six here in may and um, honestly, it was a pretty similar kind of story. It was uh, my uh, three players and I were already players in another D&D campaign that had like 10 odd people in it by the time we wrapped that story up. Um, and we were talking one day during the game and we real or before the game rather. And we realized, uh, oh, we all listen to the Adventure Zone and like that. Oh, we could do that. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we don't know how to edit audio. And when I was like, I have my degree in digital art and video editing is a big part of my job. And I know how to do that because you have to know how to edit audio if you want to edit video well. Uh, and it was one of those like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Oh, we can do that moments. So <laughs> we... Um, you know, with the on the shoulders of pure audacity, we went ahead and started uh, screaming into the void. And uh, Zach has actually moved on to do his own actual play show. He is the DM for uh, The Silent Secrets, which is a Monster Hearts 2 podcast. So think like CW, Riverdale, Vampire Diaries, that kind of vibe. Uh, that is Monster Hearts 2, and it's a ton of fun. Check it out if you haven't. But... Um, we have uh, cycled in another friend of ours who uh, we haven't played with before this, but had acted with alongside and improved with um, Justin. And he has been a fantastic addition, but we're still going and having a great time with it. Yeah, we have a kind of similar origin. So we were playing uh, Kingmaker, uh, the Pathfinder Adventure Path, uh, for over a year. Um, by the way, if you do plan on uh, playing that one, uh, definitely just do whatever the hell you want for the main storyline because the <laughs> the big bad end game just kind of comes out of nowhere at the end there. It's it's a little funky. Anyways, uh, yeah, so we were playing that for a little over a year, uh, really getting into it. Um, I had a couple friends that I had played with before that uh, joined up, and then we made some new friends along the way. Uh, and then... Just time and time again, we were like, oh, hey, have you seen, like, uh, you know, Morkborg? Doesn't that game sound really fun? Like, yeah, that really does. Anyways, let's get back to Pathfinder. Or, like, hey, Cyberpunk. Or, hey, there's a Fallout game coming out. 
Uh, and then it kind of got to the point where I jokingly was like, hey, do you guys, wouldn't it be cool if we just like did a podcast or something of us like playing these new games? Ha 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 ha. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> about a year and a half later, here we are. and we just hit our one year a couple weeks ago from when we were recording this at least who knows when this will come out exactly but yeah so we've been going for a little over a year but as soon as they literally i watched the announcement of bunkers and badasses live which was september of 2020 as soon as they said the words i was i was like i'm doing an actual play Uh, (laughs) and i started up a different podcast specifically so that I could practice editing and have, so I did like an interview, I do still do an interview show with people throughout the board game community. And that was specifically started one to exercise my social skills because the pandemic definitely hit, hit a, you know, you take a hit on that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. then <laughs> two was to learn how to edit. And I'm so glad I did that. Uh, but, but you don't, you can learn. Like I'm, I've given so much advice to people who want to start their own podcast. It's, it's not as hard as you think, and people are pretty forgiving of your earlier episodes. Yes. <laughs> I have another question for everybody, though. I think this is more for helpful for players-wise. What is the best way to get on your GM side? Okay, like, okay. What, what, how, to, how to get in their pocket. <laughs> that, that, all right. Controversial opinion. That is not what you want at all. Mm. I want an interesting story. If that story happens to have my character die in a way which he probably shouldn't have died in, so be it. I am entirely there for the story. The GM's probably got a plan, right? And if it is getting to a point where you're having to, you know, buy or like slide treats under the table to get on your GM's bad side, that arguably you might need to have a conversation with your GM saying that he's taking priority over uh, like he's... Uh, showing favoritism controversial mm-hmm. opinion but mm-hmm. throwing that one out there i'm for me it's nice because i guess i didn't emphasize this either with uh bnb is that if the players die they come back and they have a trauma and usually it's something silly or fun so it, it might be like you have to talk for an accent until you sleep or whatever uh so there's these little things like that. And so for me, it's fun to have that kind of like tension of, or not even tension. It, it, it turns that tension of like, yes, I'm trying to kill you, but it's funny. Uh, and so <laughs> that's always nice. But to me, what gets, what ingratiates players to me are the moments when they do something very fun and very clever and very story, like going to what Damien said, right? Like I think the best way to, if you want to suck up to your, your GM is do what your character would do to advance the story or enhance the story. Like even to the character's detriment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you know that this, uh, you know, Indiana Jones, it right. Like you've got this door that's coming down slowly and the object of the party's desire is on the other side dart for that and your character is like the heroic like i will get this job done no matter what they go they dart across slide under there throw the object under the door and they don't make it through so now they are trapped on the other side or maybe they run the risk of getting crushed and they die you know but like but your character might do that like your character yeah that might not be a great example maybe it's a baby or something that they're gonna save whatever it is right whatever your story is um like 
just yeah playing to your character playing to the story i that like gets me giddy every time Mm -hmm. i guess i'd say my opinion is that is a little bit more on the meta side which is if you want to be on your dm's good side tell the dm what you like about their game um let them know you're enjoying the story let them know you had fun with that time you rolled a one or that time they rolled a one uh by communicating with your gm you kind of give them permission to be a larger arbiter and to make the story kind of go where it's supposed to go naturally versus i think every gm kind of worries you know are my players having fun um you know having that honest communication i think allows the story to develop in a natural way versus people trying to guess what's going on that's a very good point yeah totally agree yeah i think that communication is necessary in playing these games and you know you don't need to meta it while playing the game directly while you're in it but like you know off game you can talk to the dm uh you know say things you like and things you know you would like to be better and you know if you're just doing it in a kind way most of the times most gms are more than happy to listen to you because they want you to have a good time everyone's trying to have a good fun amount of time mm-hmm. um i totally agree with what everybody had said here however i'm also very susceptible to bribes so if you're the person that brings food to, for the group for everybody you I, you will be on my good side and if you bring food to my sessions you're dead to me <laughs> that's because we're on mic and you know obviously you don't want food on mic but <laughs> I, I have a wonderful sound clip of a player eating a nacho that i'm going to use next time somebody breaks a bone Oh, that's great. (laughs) Uh, Somewhere in my records, I've got a a similar sound clip of one of my players eating a piece of hardtack, (laughs) um, which has the most bone crunchy sound you could possibly imagine. Oh, boy. Wow. I know that running a podcast and running a regular game is totally, you know, if if I was just running a game, of course, I would love snacks, you know, eat away. Mm have fun, drink, whatever. Um, but man, how many times I have to be like, okay, uh, finish what you're doing. Like I, I can hear you eating something. I know you need a little snack, but like finish that and then talk, you know, like you feel like you're, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm micromanaging sometimes, but maybe I'm just a little OCD about my sound, which Damien actually, after we had our crossover helped me learn a little bit more about some sound editing stuff, which was really nice. Yeah, some new plugins and things. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, I think that's fair. Doing an audio podcast for sure, you don't want the sound of eating because I don't think a lot of people out there like the sound of somebody (laughs) crunching Mm -hmm. or smacking their lips as they're playing. All of that is on our ASMR channel. (laughs) (laughs) I will also say this, though. For my players, I don't mind it so much, but mainly because they've gotten really good at learning how to mute themselves when that happens. Mm. And they've gotten, they've kind of learned how to be able to like navigate it. So most of the time, like when they decide to have their snack stuff, when it's not like our periods between recording, because we'll usually record like an uh, episode at a time uh, for like an hour and 10 or 20, because there's always the ums and ahs you got to cut out. Mm. 
But during battles, battles are their favorite time because that's when they know they can snack because everybody else is trying to figure out exactly what they're doing and they know they can just mute their mic and just start throwing snacks in their mouth quietly uh, and it's not getting on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be it's got to be pretty different uh, recording like virtually because uh, I have all of my players actually come in and we, uh, you know, sit around a big table with, you know, the map in the center and we use, you know, any number of random things for minis and terrain Mm. pieces and all that uh so what we normally do for our thing Mm -hmm. is uh when we are recording right we try and keep minimal snacks or not super crunchy snacks uh mostly just push the mic away a bit and then you know eat whatever uh but basically it's kind of just hold out until the end because then we have like you know big family dinner and just do that instead of uh you know snacking throughout the whole the whole thing mm-hmm. but drinking has become a part of yours with the pop in the top oh i love it uh, dude, that <laughs> sound is the best sound oh for sure <laughs> we don't keep them in but uh whenever somebody does open up a a first or second beer on mic uh we do hold it directly to the mic so that everybody can partake oh yeah and you have to you have to be quiet right mm-hmm what, really? well, no, a, it is a like, hey, everybody stop. It is either, you know, right when we start the game or going into the second half after we've taken our break is, you know, people sit down and then we grip it and rip it right in there so that we can all <laughs> enjoy the ASMR, even if we ourselves are not drinking. Um, but drinking is like everyone's allowed to have their beverage and whatnot. I'm not going to make somebody dehydrate in the middle of the show if they, you know, they're not feeling that. Oh, absolutely. And they're they're pretty good about not drinking directly into the mic. So that's helpful. Chase, you know what? I think you just bring up a wonderful point. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a tradition that you all have for your podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more traditions or does anybody else have traditions on their podcast e- that you all do? Yeah, actually, we have a our big one that we have is and this actually is not even on the podcast this is uh just for myself at the end and tails lovely off of the last conversation um and we have what is literally called favorite moments and um a lot of some other tables call it like wishes and stars and whatnot but the way that we do it is we organize it into what was your favorite moment playing tonight that you had for your character what was your favorite thing that one of your other players did or that you did with one of the other players or rather and uh, what is the favorite thing that the gm did and that is a really good way for everybody at the table to get a really nice round of positive feedback and hender end the game off on a high note I really like that. Um, yeah, please steal away. It's. I was it's literally talking about Mike. doing that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a really old tradition that started, God, I want to say like 18 years ago, uh, playing the old Star Wars RPG. Mm. Uh, we call it lightsaber checks every time we all sit at the table before we play podcast or home game. Uh, everybody rolls 2d20. If you get double 20s, you get a lightsaber. Uh, and basically all that means is the session's going to go well for you. You're going to get probably a neat piece of magic loot and a little bit of a boost. Uh, but it's just mm. been, uh, and of course, naturally, once you establish that rule, some player has to say, well, what happens if I roll double ones? And that's when everyone looks at him and says, it's going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, at the start of our episodes, do frivolous facts. We didn't start out doing that. I, 
I had the idea of doing badass facts, but I had that idea because of Dungeons and Daddies. They do daddy facts at the beginning of their episode. And I was like, oh, it's too similar. I can't use that. And then another B&B podcast started, Bad Assets, which is run by the lead designer of the game. And so he ended up doing badass facts. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah. Like, I should have just done it. Why did I hesitate on that? (laughs) And so we started doing frivolous facts. And so it's literally just like uh, my wife's in a recent episode. I think in the newest episode was that she loves flare pens. And she always has a bag of flare pens, which are just fancy pen marker type stuff that she can bust out and just doodle on napkins with or whatever. Like, you know, some of them are just really, really frivolous of I like camping. So it's it's fun, (laughs) small character building things. Yeah, for for us, it's the uh, can cracking open thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how tense the moment is. If you just grabbed an energy drink, we got to pause really quick just to, you know, revel in in the sound. Uh, But the other thing, and this one is kind of just a random one. I don't remember how on earth it started. But anytime anyone of us says the word general or the word major, we salute because you're supposed to salute your officers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think, oh god that just tickles me from my own military yeah. days <laughs> that feels very uh mel brooks airplane to me uh i, I like it <laughs> yeah uh we have one tradition uh with ours uh which is we start every episode with one particular player saying something as soon as we start <laughs> recording mm. it's uh <laughs> and we say that every episode no matter what we will not start the episode until <laughs> incredible that is great in fact that transitioned over to another podcast that me and that player are players in uh cyberpunk one called no latency and we won't start an episode without a player saying that as well that's wonderful good good <laughs> did everyone do one i think so right i think so Okay, I've got the next question. Mm-hmm. So I know that as a GM, a lot of times you introduce homebrew into your games, but uh, what is your opinion on players trying to introduce some of their own homebrew? And when would you draw the line? I am 100% okay with that. Um, I, Especially with this season of Another Path, I've been doing as much focus as I can on collaborative world building. You know, I, I, I am there to be the referee and to set the course. But if they decide to throw a couple of rocks out in the way, I'm usually OK with that. Um, when it comes to like items or enemies or something like that, that does require like, hey, this is a collaboration. We are both working on this and we will either work on it on mic. And if it's good, I'll leave it in the show. Um, or we're going to work on it off mic over like a discord chat or something like that and work on figuring out what something looks like together. And honestly, it's a really great way to keep your players engaged with what's going on. If they have some onus as an author, they're going to be just by the sheer fact that they do did this uh or that they're a part of the authorial process they're going to be way more invested on the outcome that you decide on yeah i'm 
I'm all for it. If a player has found something online that they really like and they want to try to incorporate it with their character, I'm more than willing to sit down and chat with them about it and kind of work it out. Sometimes you have some things out there that are pretty OP that seem, you know, above board of maybe where the level is at or kind of how the game is going at that time. But at that same time, I'm more than willing to work with them like, hey, can we just set it up as a leveling system? It kind of starts off low at first and then it gets better as you, you know, get stronger with it, which I agree gives them onus and keeps them more interested into into pushing for that because they get a feel like they help make the story as well as they still have control of their character as DMs, GMs, uh, we help build the world around them and they kind of are the ones that are interacting with it. So uh, for me and my podcast, uh, it's it's fair across the board about um, who has authorship. Mm. Yeah, I really like the uh, like having this ability grow with them as they go. Um, I have a player in my Pathfinder game uh, who wanted to have this poison called Moonberry Poison. And basically, it was doing constitution damage, which uh, in Pathfinder is a very, very, very powerful thing, especially when it's like 2d10 damage on your constitution. It's a lot. Uh, So what we ended up agreeing on, though, because after this was brought up, my initial thought was, oh, hell no. There's no way that anything would be balanced anymore if, you know, this happened. Um, But we ended up uh, actually talking it through and... We established that kind of a level system where, like, the, I don't know, the moonberries are in their infancy right now and they haven't, like, fully matured yet. So the poison isn't as potent, something like that. Um, but it's kind of opened my eyes on to trying to say yes more often than saying no. Um, because then you get instances like another one of my players who uh, wanted to use Mage Hand to stitch up a wound. And I thought that that was genius because you know magic is going to have a steadier hand than a person so let's figure out how we can actually get this thing to uh to happen yeah i love when players throw something out and you're like let's figure out how to make it work because you're a part of this that whatever you want to do we're gonna we're gonna try and figure that out i mean within reason of course you know sometimes it'll just be like I want to fly to the moon. No, that's not possible unless you build a rocket ship. Uh, but like even just world building, I think, is a big thing of like sometimes it's not that they're trying to add some sort of like homebrewed mechanic. But there was one time where I regret it and I think I'll edit it out when I I'm going to go through and sort of remaster, touch up some old episodes when I have time, if I ever have time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. uh, and there was a time where like, uh, one of my players was like, oh, uh, I'm looking through his bookshelves and I find a naughty magazine type of thing. And I was like, no, I laughed and joked about it for a second. I was like, but no, he's classy. He doesn't have that. And I was like, why? Why? Why did I like shut down that little teeny bit of like flavor that they added to this? No, don't do that. Like, I was so silly because it doesn't mess with the lore. It doesn't mess with anything. Right. Like, I. Uh, it was a learning moment for me. So I love when players say like, you know, they add a character or add some sort of like relation, something in the world. I mean, that's part of frivolous facts too, is that they can make up 
something in their past that maybe later I can use against them, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Certainly, that's not part of the the nefarious reasoning behind doing that. But uh, yeah, anytime they want to do something, I I encourage it, like, because that's going to make them feel like more, this is part of my game. Uh, If they want to play basketball, you figure out how to play basketball. Uh, I think for me, it was a, I want to say like I read a Dragon magazine way back when those were still a thing. Um, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things they kind of mentioned was like, hey, world building's kind of a pain. Why not let your players help you? Um, and so something I've taken to at least every one of my home games is players, if they want special stuff or if they want something unique, cool, design me the the home city, the village, the apartment building. Where are you from? Have them come up with the city, how people get there, what they're known for. Um, you know, if they want a cool item, like, oh, we're all famous gunslingers. Dope. Then you got, you have a better gun than other people because you come from here. But that makes a city that other PCs can visit. Have them come up with NPCs. Let them run their hometown when you visit kind of thing. Uh, I've just found that that's, that gave my players a lot of creativity to lend to the world. And especially with campaigns that stack one on top of the other like we play uh in as far as like historically now all of a sudden five campaigns later people are still visiting the you know metropolis that used to be their small town kind of thing uh to really help those players kind of get invested with the world and care about it i love that a lot and i kind of did that with flashbacks of one player started in a town and it was going to school there type of thing and practiced law there and so it was you know, like setting it up. What is it like, you know? And and I think I should have done that more. Like hearing that, that's very smart. I should have been more like, well, what kind of things are here? What kind of, uh, you know, like places do you go and eat? What's the, what type of food is popular there? <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, but we also just did that in a recent episode where they got to a new town and I had one thing for the town, like there's this big lake in the middle that had water constantly raining down into it through some magical stone, right? Like classic type of thing. And uh, and then after they visited that, I was like, well, you've got time to kill. You got to investigate some things. Where do you want to go? Just say a place and it's there. Like this is a big city. Make anything up. You can ask somebody for directions. <laughs> and one person went to a library. One person went to a wax museum. One person went to an ice cream shop. One person went on a murder, or like a, what is it, a murder tour? Ghost tour? I thought you were going to say one of them went on a murder spree. (laughs) Right. I thought the word was spree. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty close. (laughs) I would not have won that mad lib. lib. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? So it was just, like, you can give those sort of opportunities, too, to encourage Mm -hmm. those, like, add to the lore here. I know that's kind of maybe somewhat adjacent to what we were talking about with the like adding homebrewing things. But I I do Mm -hmm. think that's part of it too. I think that's like just a really good general world building tip. Um, The boring details make places come alive. Um, Every time I put in something like, you know, somebody handling like a city's waste or, you know, a rivalry between the elephant ear guy and the churro stand at the fair. <laughs> like Those are the moments that my players will, when I were doing those favorite moments, will be like, I really liked that. That 
brought that corner of the world alive because yeah there's like magic and all of this weird fantastic bullshit going on but also there's just these two dudes having a tiff and that is again it's one of those things you know player investment like that brings them in and makes them realize oh this is just what's happening around us and if we're not here stuff is gonna keep happening that just brings me that makes me think of the red door conundrum uh, well that's what i call it i mm. you know <laughs> if you use if you get overly descriptive about certain things right you you come up to this tavern it has a red door what are you gonna do you know like okay i'm gonna listen real carefully why is it red okay uh maybe i'll try and pick the lock just turn the handle. Just open the door. That's all you got to do. Come on, guys. You can do this. I'm going to see if I can see underneath the door. Can I slide anything under the door? You know, it's just like, whoops. Mm-hmm. Okay, my bad. I, I I threw in too much detail there, I guess. Yep. That is, that is a great pitfall for DM to fall into. I feel yeah. like I would have shared this story because it ties in with that really well, which is, uh, you know, my players all come to this city. This city had recently been uh, bombed through a bunch of gateways opening the plane of fire. They're walking around, they're seeing bodies, they're seeing this destroyed city. Uh, and because there was an open spot on the map, I had like a big stupid GM said, and there's a well there uh, with some boards slightly pulled over the top. They open up the well. I say there's some bodies in there. People try to crawl in and get away from the fire. The next two and a half hours of my existence are my GM nightmare. And I still have my PTSD from it of, my players inspected every stone of that well, and they used arcane eye, and they used scrying spells. They lowered each other down there, and they cast light, and it was just like, my God. I <laughs> Biggest mistake of my life was just casually mentioning, there's a well. It's th- it's that red door, right, of mm-hmm. some things, though, will, your players will just hook onto because the DM felt like they were into it. It felt too natural. We got to inspect it. <laughs> and with with those kinds of situations, I feel like it's okay to peel back the curtain and just let them know, hey, guys, there's there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. That way, you don't end up wasting the the several hours uh, going into stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, I will let them like investigate for you know a good thirty minutes. But once it is pretty apparent that they're not giving this up, that's when I'll go ahead and peek back and be like. Guys, you just spent the last half hour on something that really does not matter. It's literally just a pile of hay. That's it. That's all that's there. Um, Another way to go about doing that that I've had a lot of success with is to just ask the players, hey, what information are you actually trying to get out of this? I am your DM and your friend. I am not trying to like murder all of your characters in a, you know, stupid way. So why don't you ask me the question that you actually want to know? And I will give you each a check to figure it out. That way we're not, you know, looking at a bunch of corpses for the next hour and a half. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think, right. You can almost make them roll for anything. If mm-hmm. if you're seeing that they're getting stuck on this uh, in B&B, it's like roll insight. Uh Hopefully they all at least one person rolls high enough that you can be like, perfect. You you know, that well is just a well. There's a little sad story inside it. And that's it. You know, like uh, it's you can come up with something, but you can also uh, I know I've done this. I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head, but there's been times where they get so focused on something that all of a sudden now I'm focused on it. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, there's some mm. words etched on the inside of, like, on the stone of one of the 
inside the well, right? Like, are you going to go down there and see if you can read it or whatever, you know, like, and add something of like, oh, we should have gone to the tavern. The rest of them went to the tavern and whatever, you know, like, uh, that will push them the direction that they do need to go. Um, you can do little things like that or something. I don't know. You know, whatever it is, it's all improv, right? Like, find your yeah. way to to guide them. Yeah, I have done that on a few times, actually. Uh, I like to let my players wander and go wherever. I, at least learning from my players, if there's a place that I want them to go... I typically will make it vague. I purposely will make it vague until they have gotten an interest Mm -hmm. in it uh, because that's when they get interested. If it's a place I don't want them to go, I make it very detailed because since I made it very detailed, they, they have this sneaking suspicion with me of like, he has made that very detailed. He wants us to go there. We being us don't want to follow that. So we're going to go the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) so you know and you know it's just it's the fun parlor between that we have uh with each other but that's just kind of like falls back into a lot of the stuff of what we've all said before of just kind of listening and uh watching your players and seeing how they like to play and eventually you will start to tune your improv and your story to the way that the group works together and it is not going to happen right off the bat, but over a couple of sessions, eventually you all will find a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of, uh, one of our most prominent NPCs came out because one of our characters being an inquisitor, a devout inquisitor, uh, wanted to try and convert some of the guardsmen around this little town. So, in so doing, he went ahead and said, hey, let's go ahead and have a, uh, a sparring contest while we talk about God. And, you know, they're going there, they're sparring and everything, and uh, hit the p- his character doesn't manage to actually hit the guard at all. Meanwhile, I roll the die, and there I see it, the beautiful, glorious, natural 20. <laughs> Critsum almost kills his character, and uh, now that guy is like leading their kingdom as the general and is known as the one and only Jeff Jeffrey Jefferson, <laughs> probably has 20s in all of his stats. He is a god among men, apparently. Well, you know what, Damien, on that, uh, I think that's a great way to kind of round off the rest of this because we're almost towards the end here. Um, before we go, uh, why don't we go ahead and have everybody just give one more super important advice that you think uh, new GMs or players should know before we go and uh, go ahead and give yourself, uh, your podcast, a little bit of a shout out. Well, let's go in reverse order this time uh, from initiative. So, Jeff, how about you? Why don't you start us off? All right. Thanks for having me on. This is Jeff. I'm the GM of Big Campaign Stories. Um, my advice to new GMs is honestly very similar to uh, uh, the teacher from the Magic School Bus is just get in there, make mistakes, get messy. Um, your game is going to become fun when it becomes yours. So make make the mistakes that become the in-jokes for when you know how to play. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Chase. I'm the DM of Another Path and a player on Imprinted Echoes. Um, and my last piece of advice is to remember that 
whatever, if you are, especially if you're getting into TTRPGs based off of uh, like a, uh, well, not a stream, but like a show like Critical Role or Dimension 20 or a podcast, remember that with the exception of literal live streamed stuff, everything is edited. Um, There are ums and uhs and pausing to look up a rule. And unless it's very, very funny, or it is driving tension, it is being left on the cutting room floor of all of those. And when you are playing, it's not going to feel as smooth as one of those edited episodes. That's okay. That's that's that is correct. That is right. So don't get in your head if you have to stop and start. And that's uh, that's okay. That's what it's there for. That's an excellent tip. Mm-hmm. Word of yeah. words of yeah. wisdom. Mm. So once again, hello, I'm Damien. I uh, run the podcast Roleplay Rejects. You can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, the big piece of advice that I could say is really be okay with having uh, what, what me and my friends call the IKEA talk. Uh, if there is a player at your table that you don't, that is kind of hurting your your uh your fun if you're not having fun with this other player if you find yourself starting to prepare and just hand in your head thinking man i really hope that this one person doesn't show up obviously that is a negative impact on everyone's time there and just have the conversation with that person say hey i really don't like it that you're on your phone all the time i really don't like that uh you're not very as engaged as all of us uh try and like work it out with them and if it doesn't work out then maybe it's time for that person to get a new group or for you to get a new group and that is perfectly okay solid piece of advice Mm -hmm. there um what's the phrase no dnd is better than bad dnd yes correct uh, for everybody else, uh, I'm Evan. I'm with Save the D8. Uh, my piece of advice for the rest of you is just have fun. I, this it's not a competitive game. This is a this is a game where everybody just gets together and creates a story. So be willing to um, what's the best way to say this? Uh, recognize the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, if you recognize that your character might be stepping on other characters for their actions because you want to do something cool, it might be a good idea just to kind of step back. Um, I know for me that as a player, I typically like to be the kind of player who um, actually is the utility one. I like to help out other characters with their ideas and try to like kickstart it off and do something really cool with them, but let them like shine in the spotlight. Um, so uh, don't just pay attention to like just for you between you and the DM, but your other party member players that you're with as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Uh, I mean, well, I'm Riley from friend info adventure co. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And I just say ditto to all that. No, I, <laughs> I feel like a, cheater. I know cheater. going last. I feel like, Oh man, you, you all covered such good things. Uh, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, let, let your players ro- roam. Um, but you know, let's see. Huh? Yeah. I, I, sh- I had, I had the most time to think about something else, but you guys kept mentioning ones I thought of. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if you're the GM, then 
let your players explore that world, let them pitch in like we've talked about. And then if you're the players, be a part of that world and don't don't be a jerk. Don't uh, try and purposely derail their story. Uh, if you just don't see the story, that's totally OK. Or if there's something else that's like, well, that's really interesting. Can I che- I'm going to go check that out, you know, like. But if you if you know where the story is going or you see that obvious thing and you're just like, well, I don't want to do that just to just to throw my GM off. I don't eh, don't do it. Don't be a jerk at the table. Be be kind. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I totally agree with that. So um, I put together this the discord we have for this uh, good pods takeover. Do you, do you mind if I just talk about the takeover real quick? Please. Absolutely. Please do. Perfect. Okay. So Good Pods is, it's a fairly newer listening app uh, for podcasts. It's kind of like Goodreads if you ever used Goodreads. I know I did. My wife did. And it's built around community. And so on there, you know, like Apple, you can write reviews, you can rate it. Spotify, you can only rate it. Here, you can rate write a review. You can even just comment without rating. You can do that on individual episodes. So like this episode, say you can go in and you can ask questions and then we can go and we can reply to those and we can have like a back and forth. So you can do that with every episode. You can do that with the show. You can rate every episode. Don't give it less than five stars. If you're, you know, if you're, if you don't Mm. like it, that's fine. You don't need to give a one star, but here you could actually like I love feedback and if you don't like something I would love the feedback you don't have to leave a one star to tell me like hey uh I don't love the way that you uh do battle or whatever I don't you know like describe kills whatever it is you can give that kind of feedback and not bring the podcast rating down which is nice but also just keep it positive interact with people on there uh good pods is really cool I I'm excited so on March 28th and the 29th we're going to be doing this takeover and the people at good pods, friends of good pods, a lot of us that are taking part in it. Let's see at the discord, the discord has <laughs> 53 people in there. Uh, and I know some of them are repeat shows, but overall though, I mean, that's probably at least 40 shows. Uh, wow. So we've got a lot of people participating. And so over those course of those two days, it's going to be popping up in the feed. Uh, so go and, look at those go and look at the featured list they have a featured list and all day it's going to be different actual play podcasts or ttrpg related podcasts and you can just go and try something new give it a give it a try and then rate it and then that'll pop up and other people who are just using the app that day might see it and discover some new actual play that they like so Mm -hmm. there you go that's kind of the rundown the gist of it yeah cool i like that very cool oh if everyone could wants to go through and maybe do their social media handles and then the day that their new episodes come out. Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Okay. Uh, Hey, so Roleplay Rejects, hi. Uh, So we are on Instagram mostly uh, at Roleplay Rejects. Uh, And then we have a website, uh, roleplayrejects.com. That should be able to get you to just about everywhere. We're trying to start to be a little bit more active on Facebook, but we're Instagram predominantly. Mm. Uh, we release episodes every Sunday at 9 p.m. So any night owls will have a chance to listen to the new episodes on Sunday. And then uh, it's there for anyone who has to commute that following Monday. We also have Patreon. Nice. Yeah. Riley, friend and, or, so friend Info Adventure Co. 
is out every other Tuesday. And then we are at FF Adventure Co. on most social medias. Uh, but Twitter is where we're most active. I try to keep up with everything else, but Twitter's definitely where we post the most. Yeah, big campaign stories. Um, we generally release every Thursday. Uh, and the most active place we are is on Twitter at Big Campaign Podcast. Uh, we do have a website at bigcampaign.com. Yeah, Another Path, we release every other Wednesday, and Imprinted Echoes releases every other Sunday, uh, both at right there at midnight. So, again, if you're a night owl, they are right there and ready for you. Um, and uh, you can find both of those shows on Twitter. Another Path is at Another Path Pod, and Imprinted Echoes is at Imprinted Echoes. And Save the D8, we release every Thursday around roughly midnight, 1 o'clock. Um, you can find us on all the socials at Save the D8 Pod. We also have a website, www.savethed8pod.com. Um, thanks so much for everybody being here and giving out such great advice. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to have a special episode for people out there that might be interested in getting into it and mm -hmm. it felt a little weird just kind of doing it myself so it's kind of fun <laughs> with this event being able to meet a bunch of dms and kind of find out that we all have very similar ideas of how to run a game so it's pretty cool yeah yeah all right thanks so much everybody have all a good right. night thank you Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Party Fish, Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.